Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys being dudes. Yeah, we just got to keep pounding, you know? Just keep pounding. Got to keep pounding. Joe's a big fan of keep pounding these days. Keep on pounding. You never want to stop pumping. You might want to revise that statement. Comes across a little wrong. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never stop pounding, kids. You heard it here first. <laughs> Roger Dixon Jr. of NDT Scouting. We gave Kyle the day off today. It's uh, it's the day after Thanksgiving. He's recovering from, I'm guessing Kyle at least housed a good five pounds of food, three pieces of pumpkin pie. And uh, to be honest with you, the man's uh, given me a few days off during during the year. Uh, So I wanted to return the favor here the day after Thanksgiving. But don't be, don't be afraid, guys. We've got an outstanding co-host today, and Mr. Roger Dixon Jr., a national scout with us at NDT Scouting and a former Florida football Gators uh, player. So we are going to kind of get into his brain a little bit about his time uh, with the Gators and you know what, what it's like to see so many NFL draft prospects in a locker room and, uh, and and what type of impact that has on the season and the player's mindset. So it's going to be a really cool, like, peeling back the curtain here uh, to, to see what Roger will give us here on the show. Uh, what's going on, man? Welcome, welcome. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and uh, glad that you were able to join me today. It's great to be back on. I haven't been on for a second, but uh, I'm great. I feel great being back on here, man. I got to – one day I got to – Cook my famous uh, sweet potato pie for y'all. I don't do the pumpkin pie. I don't sweet potato over here. Okay, so but you can't have both. Nah, you can't. Uh, I, I'm not the mix and match. I don't know. I don't even use. I don't like sauce when I eat chicken nuggets. I and mean, I gotta taste the. I gotta taste the food I'm actually eating. I don't mix and match. <laughs> what What is the What is the best way to cook a turkey, Roger? Oh, you gotta like you gotta fry it. Deep fried, <laughs> deep fried turkey. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah. That gotta... that is the best. It's very dangerous. I've heard this infrared turkey is supposed to be good. I've not had it. I, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, uh, nah, you you gonna make me Google that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just heard about it myself. Uh, I prefer the deep fried turkey myself, Roger. But uh, I don't trust myself with that thing. You know what I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna be one of those guys that burns down my house trying to cook a turkey. So uh, one of these days, hey. I'll, I'll get the, enough courage to buy one. But man, I don't trust myself. No risk, no reward, now. Nah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, that's right, right? We're draft guys. It's a, it's about taking calculated risk, right, man? <laughs> yes, sir. All right, so we've uh, we've got this uh, segment that we do that um, pretty much talks about how many days until the NFL draft, and then we bring to the table a relevant uh, number uh, that coincides with that. So, Roger, we are sitting here 152 days 
away from the 2018 NFL Draft, uh, which is also the amount of touchdowns Steve McNair was responsible for in college, uh, attended Alcorn State. Uh, pretty remarkable career that he had. His 1994 season was incredible. Now keep in mind, Alcorn State, he finished third in the Heisman Trophy balloting. He passed for 4,863 yards. He rushed for 936 yards, and he accounted for a total of 5,799 yards that season with a quarterback rating of 155 and 44 touchdown passes. I mean, that's like one of the greatest football seasons ever. Steve McNair was one of the best quarterbacks ever. So Tennessee Titans, that I remember, that was the best Super Bowl I ever saw was Tennessee Titans versus the Rams. That's when I really started getting into the – NFL, and that was the best Super Bowl I ever saw. Yeah, you know, as a Buffalo Bills fan, I wasn't too excited about that. That was the year, the Music City Miracle, the last time the Bills have been in the playoffs. Since 1999, Roger, I haven't seen the Bills in a playoff game, and the last time I did was a defeat to Mr. Steve McNair, and, you know, they went on to lose to the Rams. But, uh, yeah, that was a, it was a good football team, and Steve McNair just – Kind of one of the most underappreciated all-time greats probably out there. Absolutely. I feel like he's kind of like in the same realm as uh, I compare him almost to Donovan McNabb. I feel like, you know, he, he did his thing when he was in the NFL, put up a lot of numbers, was really respected. Um, sometimes he didn't win the big one. Um, but, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out for you. But he's still uh, a highly respected um, Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, and that, that college career he had was – was just insane, <laughs> responsible for 152 total touchdowns. That is remarkable. Uh, Roger, uh, you know, we haven't had you on in a while, and um, so what I wanted to do is kind of give our audience a chance to get up to speed on some of your takes regarding this class. And so I got a, I got a few questions I'm going to ask you here to kind of give an overview about where you stand on some of the, uh, the big items with this draft. So first things first. Quarterbacks are always the big part of discussions when it comes to, to draft prospects. Right now, today, who is your quarterback one? And that that question is is so hard because you have a bunch of quarterbacks that bring different things to the table. Um, off instincts, I want to go with I want to go with Lamar Jackson, but I'm going with the quarterback that some people say might not even come out this year. I'm going with Sam Darnold. I feel like his intangibles, his leadership, um, puts him on another level. And I also feel like um, his ability to extend the play and, and, and break rushing tackles, have strength within the pocket. And um, th- those things will allow him to persevere early on in his career until he learns how to uh, fluently read the coverage as as well as Josh Rosen does. Josh Rosen is way better than him at reading the coverage right now and anticipating um, and taking the check down, taking the check down pass when he needs to. But um, Sam Donald is just is, is way above way above Josh Rosen in 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 extending the plays because when Josh Rosen is in the pocket and somebody breaks free, then he he doesn't. It's almost an automatic sack. So. I got Sam Donald as my number one quarterback. So, so here's what I what I want to ask you about Sam Donald, and it's probably the thing that I struggle with most. I mean, obviously the fumbles are a concern that he's had this year, but you know his throwing motion, Roger, is not really anything we've ever seen before. You know, like how much does that bother you in terms of his mechanics and? some of the issues with kind of aligning his shoulders and, you know, not getting enough juice on the ball sometimes. Like, obviously you said he's your QB1. Like, what makes you comfortable with kind of the concerns that I just raised uh, and being willing to, to honestly kind of overlook those things? What made me comfortable about it is that I've seen him throw the comeback 15 yards to the sideline from the opposite hash multiple times. So I know he has the arm strength to do it. Um, I've seen him throw almost every throw. Um and I understand about the mechanical flaws in it, um, but maybe just call me call me a standlot football player. But for me, if the ball gets to where it needs to get, I don't care how it got there. You know, um, you have basketball players that 
they could they could have a, a funky shot, but if they're making their three pointer, are you really mad at them? You know, so yeah. um yeah, I understand I understand those hesitations. But he he put I've seen him make incredible throws while he's on the run. And that that's what that's what that that's the the aspect that he brings to the table that that's far and um above everyone else. All right, I hear you. So, you know, we're looking at these these quarterbacks, we've got you know, kind of the, the top tier of, of players that seemingly most people think are the top the top guys. And we've got Sam Darnold from USC. We've got uh, Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma, Josh Rosen from UCLA, and Lamar Jackson from Louisville. If you kind of had to go through each one of those and, and pick a team that would be the best fit, you know, for both the, the player uh, and the team, who, how would you kind of marry those up with NFL teams? Well, I have I have Sam Darnold as my number one quarterback, but I don't feel like I feel like the the San Francisco Forty ers are going to be picking sooner than them, and I feel like the number one fit for them is, is what most people are saying: Josh Rosen. Just um, put team up Josh Rosen with that head coach over there, and because Rosen has um, an incredible ability to be patient when he the the number one. Receiver is not open. He'll just dump it off, and he'll allow his playmaker to um, get as many yaks as they can. And he quickly diagnoses the coverage. He has great accuracy, great arm strength. Um, so you can put Rosen in that San Francisco offense and kind of get get the pace moving on on that offense. The problem with him is that if the pressure does start getting to him, you're going to see a lot of sacks, and then he takes he has so much confidence in his arm, he's going to try to uh, dip it in between uh, multiple defenders. Might throw a lot of interceptions at the beginning of his career, but I like the way Josh Rosen diagnoses coverages. I like him at San Francisco, and then I like I like Lamar Jackson at the New York Jets. You put Lamar Jackson in in prime time New York atmosphere and his playmaking explosive ability, it's like you're gonna be putting um like Michael Vick back in in prime time mode. So. I feel like the Jets can can bring back all the fans to their to their home base and start and get to the playoffs quickly if they bring Lamar Jackson to the Jets. How you feel about that? You know, it's funny. I I love the idea of him going to Los Angeles, the Chargers, and and part of the reason is Anthony Lynn and kind of the success that he had with Tyrod Taylor, but also the 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 market. Right? I feel like a guy like Lamar Jackson would thrive in a big market like L.A. So I think we're seeing similar thoughts there with, you know, getting him in that big market to really ignite a fan base and, and really let him shine. And, uh, you know, the Jets, uh, offensively, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep their coordinator, but uh, he's outstanding. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's the type of guy that can can get the most out of Lamar and accentuate his strengths and allow him to be Lamar Jackson. Absolutely. And what I like about Lamar Jackson is that he, for him, he doesn't have to make every single play. He's not going to make, he's not, he's not going to, he may not keep the, the chains moving all the time, but if you have a defense that can hold, hold their offense, Lamar Jackson's going to find a way to make a couple of explosive plays that gets you into field goal range and then, uh, break off a couple of touchdowns. So that's the, if they utilize that part of him, they'll end up winning more games than they are right now. Um, but I really like Baker Mayfield with the Arizona Cardinals and with Coach Bruce Arians. I feel like they would gel together. They have the same mindset of um, it's me against the world, really willing to do whatever it takes. I mean, you see what Mayfield is doing nowadays on the sideline and, and stuff like that. But I feel like Mayfield to the Arizona Cardinals would be a perfect fit. And so, so where where are you putting your QB one? Where's Sam Sam Darnold? Where's the team that uh, you like him going to? I'm putting him on, my, on the other side of New York, New York Jet, New York uh, Giants, the okay. New York Giants. And it's all uh, it's about time for Eli Manning. Maybe he might need to go golfing. <laughs> Eli Manning to start going golfing, but and then you have his. They already drafted his replacement, probably maybe last year, but we really don't know what what he's capable of doing. So why not bring in some um, cute quarterback competition and and let the best man win. So bring Sam Darnold to the New York Giants and team him up with Odell Beckham and you have a, a heck of a tandem. Now, almost as interesting as asking people who their QB1 is, 
you know, is asking them who their QB five is because I think people's one through four is going to probably be some combination of these guys that we just talked about. You know, you look at the rest of these guys: Josh Allen from Wyoming, Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State. Maybe some wild card guy that you want to bring to the table. Who's that next guy? If if you had to pick a quarterback that wasn't one of these top four, who are you going to? When I'm forcing you to pick, which one are you going to pick? Oh, I have to go. Let me think about that. I have to go with Mason. I'm just going. I'm just going to go with Mason Rudolph. Um, you know, he he's shown that he's he, he consistently been able to do it throughout his career. Spread the spread the offense around. Um, and I feel like you have to be able to give him that opportunity in the NFL. You know, see if he can if he can pick up the offense. It's really going to depend on the offensive coordinator that he's with and the head coach that he's with. If they can put him in a scheme that he can be comfortable with, it may take him a, a couple of years. Um, but if he has the opportunity to groom in it, because he's seen so much stuff already, he he's been the leader of that team for a while now. So. I'm I'm going with uh, Mason Rudolph for sure. All right, so let's move on here from from quarterbacks. Uh, give me an offensive player here, Roger. That not necessarily it could be, but not necessarily a, a top tier guy. Just a guy that through the film work that you've done throughout the course of the season that you kind of want to pound the table for. One of your guys again, not necessarily one of the marquee ones, but who's a Roger Dixon guy on offense that you're willing to bang the table for right now? Oh, I like that name. It was a Roger Dixon guy. I'm going with Isaiah Wynn of of Georgia, and I've been watching him since since last year. And I don't feel like enough like people really know about him because they know about the running game, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle. But the guy that's making the holes for them, his name is Isaiah Wynn. He plays tackle. He plays guard. And every time he gets his hands on somebody, he's getting movement at the line. He's he's always um very fluent in pass protection. Never really seen him get beat. And he can play tackle and guard. Um, so Isaiah Wynn from Georgia, I need, think people need to start looking at him as another elite lineman that's in the draft. You got a couple of them, and he needs to start being in that in that uh, topic as well. All right, so Isaiah Wynn, maybe not a guy that our, our listener base has heard a lot about. Uh, there you go. Get, get some film on soon here. Check out Isaiah Wynn. And then tell Roger if you like him or not. Uh, let's do the same thing on defense, Roger. Who's a defensive player that you're willing to kind of bang the table for? Uh, who's a Roger Dixon defensive guy? You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan. It has Hulu, Title Premium, 15 gigabytes mobile hotspot, and full HD. Atlas, we need to shout that from the rooftops. Best deal ever. I didn't mean literally. Switch to Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan for just $42 per line. But hurry, for a limited time, it's now $22 per line when you bring or buy your own phones. Visit Sprint.com slash Unlimited or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Price with $5 per month auto pay discount. One Hulu limited commercial plan for Sprint account. Features differ. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new line subject to credit. Third dollar activation fee speed. Maximums use rules and restrictions apply. I feel like it's a player most than a lot of other people have heard of. Maurice Hurst of Michigan. That's that's my dude right there. He's man, so explosive off the line. He's he's in the backfield before the running game can even get started. Really, um, you know, I've seen him be powerful at the line of scrimmage against linemen, um, holding up against the run. He's just an all around all around player. If you want to start, if you want to build your defense from the inside out. You can put Maurice and Hurst in there. I mean, you see what you see how it, it, it turns around a defense when Jacksonville Jaguars they build from the inside out, they build from the D line, um, and you see how the New York Jets are staying competitive just because of their defensive line. So it's very important. Maurice Hurst, you can put him in there, and from day one, from year one, he's gonna he's gonna make an impact, and that's very hard to do as a defensive tackle to make an impact from year one, and he had the ability to do it. Three technique for him, Roger. I know he's a little on the undersized uh, list there. Is he, he going to play three tech for you, or do you like him at five? What, what's the what's the best role for him? 
I like him at where he's been playing at. Um, I don't feel like you should you should take somebody out of the mold of what they are, or what they've already been doing. They're comfortable with it. They've shown that they they've proven that they can do it. Um, so I feel like you have to give him the opportunity to at least prove that he can do it on the next level as well. Keep him at a three tech. All right, I'm with you. It's funny, Michigan is so multiple with their front. He plays mostly three tech, but I've seen this guy line up as a true nose. It's mm. it's bizarre. Michigan has a tendency to not do their players any favors for their, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like with Jabril Preppers and Chris Warmly was even playing like four three defensive ends. Just kind of bizarre what they're what they do to their guys. Uh, all right, so the the, the the part of this podcast that I've been really excited about since we kind of came up with the idea is is having you on and kind of getting into what it's like to be in a college football locker room where it's you know littered with guys that are you know wanting to play at the next level that are going to be first round picks and and what that impact is like on their season on the day-to-day grind etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh, I have a handful of questions that I want to ask you on this and just kind of have a, hopefully a really informative discussion for our listeners. But before we get into that, Roger, can you kind of like explain to our listeners what your credentials are for this conversation? You know, your your history as a as a Florida Gators football player when you were there and, and kind of what your role was. Well, I walked on, uh, walked on to the University of Florida in 2014 um, and – I, th- I would guess that. Well, I, before I walked on to University of Florida, I went to a Division two school um, and was the only offensive, the, the only freshman to play, to start as an offensive player. Um, I was the all-around offensive player of the year at that school. Then I ended up walking on to University of Florida because both my parents graduated from the University of Florida. So I decided to just go there and walk on. Um, then I had to fight, literally fight for, for uh, my reps and my position. And um, ended up working out because I ended up being voted team captain by my my teammates and my coaches, and getting a lot of reps on special teams, offense, and um, and everything like that. So I got a, I got a firsthand experience of what it means to play on a Division two level and what that what that entails, and also what it what it means to play on the SEC level of um, yeah at the University of Florida, going to the SEC championship and and everything that it entails to be to be a champion. So I feel like I've seen both sides of it. And you were yeah you were with uh, on the Gators roster for two years right and if I'm not mistaken yes sir from 2014 right. to 2015 all right so we've got a guy here in Roger that's he's lived this D1 SEC football life and and so you know in that span of time that you were with Florida you've you've seen a lot <laughs> you know you've seen guys probably I would guess double-digit guys get drafted to the NFL, uh, guys that were first-round picks, UDFAs, guys that thought they were going to be first-round picks that didn't wind up being first-round picks. How relevant is going to the next level uh, on players' minds and and part of what they do? I mean, from a a practice-to-practice perspective, from a game-to-game, I mean, is this really like a big overarching thing? uh, Or is it just, hey, we want to be the best teammates that we can and, and you know be Florida Gators and you know that type of stuff is going to take care of itself <laughs> well it, it, it turns into that but from the from day one when you walk in going getting drafted is the first thing on your mind it's it, it, it's impossible not to be on your mind there's a whole wall of, of players that were drafted and that are in the NFL right there in front of your face as soon as you walk into into the door and so um that's the first thing that's on your mind when you walk in. That's the goal. Um, it's kind of like not if I'm going to get drafted. How fast? It's more how fast can I get drafted? You know, especially with the high school recruiting nowadays, <laughs> you hyping the, hyping some of these players uh, um, up. So everyone's going in there thinking, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do three years and I'm out. You know, um, but it's it, it's possibly after being in, in the college atmosphere. Creating bonds with your your teammate brothers, um, or looking for the big win or something like that, then players start saying, "Okay, maybe I maybe I stay another year or something." Or or if the if the injuries happen, injuries can always pro- prolong your stay. But when you walk into the door on day one, you're thinking, "I'm doing three years and I'm going to the NFL." Now, I mean, so it's so interesting because if you if you look at the the analysis side, you know what we do. It's a lot of, 
you know, week to week, oh, this guy had a good game, this guy had a bad game, oh, he boosted his draft stock, oh, he, he hurt his draft stock. You know, look, you, you, you see one of these guys that everyone thinks is a, you know, a premier player, top 50 player or something like that, and they go out and have a bad game. You know, look, is it just that they had a bad game and they have to get better to help their team, or is they're like, oh, crap, like, I just hurt my draft stock? Is that something that really weighs on players' minds and is a relevant talking point in the locker room? No, I don't think it's – no, it's not a talking point in the locker room. Everybody understands at that point, once you're in the season, you are actually playing for your teammates. You're, you're playing for your coaches. You're playing for your family back home. You're playing for to win that game. You're playing to for the team to win the most that they can that season. Um, the draft stock inf- information usually and, and relevance usually come um, after in the off season. Everybody may talk about that, but you know, coaches coaches don't really talk about it. It's more just sort of expect expected. You know, especially at a big program at the University of, of Florida, we we practice and um, we play to win. You know, we play to win the game. So, um, and we play we're playing to get drafted. So, it's really not much talk about it. It's just it's just ex- it's expected that we're going to play and we're going to practice um, to the level that's going to get us to win and that's going to allow you to be drafted. Yeah, and it's not like I, I can speak from your experience. The, the, the experience that I draw from a little bit is when I was in high school and several of guys on my team you know went on and got recruited and played D1 ball. And I remember the coaches a lot of times would be like, you know, hey, that was a crap rep. Do you want me to send this game film to NC State? You want do you, do you want Duke to see that? And uh, you know, I don't I don't know. Is that stuff happen at your level? Are you watching tape with your teammates and they're like, yeah, you want me to show this to the NFL? You, you is that even am, am I? Is this a real thing or is this like? Uh, is it really just we want to prepare to be the Florida Gators to beat the Tennessee Volunteers on Saturday and all that other stuff is really just truly like a a side effect of it all. It's more of, it's more of, we're watching the film to win the game, you know, and if you're not, if you're not performing to the level that you're supposed to be performing to, then you're not going to help us win. And then you can't be on the field. And that's, that's, that's hurting us, you know? Um, but also the saying goes that the film is your resume. So what you put on film, that's the only thing that scouts, or anybody else watching has to go on. So it's really not much to say. All you have to say is the film is your resume, and then leave it at that. Well, I had one coach to say money on the hill because we used to practice um, kind of on the low low ground, and there was a hill up top. You never know who's standing on the hill watching. So all he has to say if you make one one if you if you're, not, if you're slouching, say money on the hill, and you know you have to pick it up or something. Um, so there's really not, you could have one or two things that get the going, but we're not going to talk about it. You know whether you're, you're, you're living up to the expectations or not, and the film is your resume. If you're not putting what's on your resume, they're not going to hire you. Yeah, that's interesting. So, you know, when you when you look at, you know, you look back at all your buddies, right, that are playing in the NFL, and some of them probably having great careers, some of them not meeting expectations. When you think about those guys and you kind of have that unique opportunity to be around these guys on a day-to-day basis and evaluate how they prepare and work and how much they love football and how much that is a, the, the biggest thing in their life compared to maybe other things, what, what do you notice? What trends have you seen uh, kind of thinking about, all right, these guys are doing well and here's why? What, what type of things come to mind when you consider that? The players that are successful are the ones that love the game. They really, truly enjoyed not just the spotlight. They enjoyed the process, the grind of it. They enjoyed being around their teammates. They actually had – it was enjoyable to go to practice. You know how, you, you know how like, you go to practice. It's hot outside. You have, you have pounds of weight on, you, uh, on your shoulder pads. You, you've been going through two-a-days training camp. It, it, the, it weighs down on you. But then once you start – you get out there with, with those certain teammates and the energy bring comes up. You know, they or they, they you just when you're when you're practicing against them, you know that this is not the play that you're gonna take off. Um, because we're just we're all trying to get each other better. Those players, they're having success in the NFL, mainly because they're doing what they've always been doing. They're enjoying the game 
um, just as it's supposed to be played, as it's supposed to be a game. But they're trying to do it to their maximum potential. They're trying to create a masterpiece of art with with what they know. And what they know is football. So they're trying to be the best they can at it. And that's just by being passionate and bringing enthusiasm through the grind, through the process, not just not just in the game. Now, one thing, you know, for the listeners, we talk football every day, all day long. And so, you know, we'll, we'll randomly be talking about a prospect. And I always think, I always value very much what you say. So just, just so you know that, I really draw from your experience and, and try to make sure that I'm considering what you're saying because you have this unique perspective on things. And you know, we were talking about a cornerback uh, this past week, and one of your comments was, you know, I, I like him. But the way that he's undisciplined with his press technique, um, you know, it really questions his ability, to, his discipline as a player and his commitment to the game. Like, coming from having played football in the SEC and seeing these guys move along, like, and, and, and it being such an important part of the, of the evaluation prospect, uh, process that we don't really get is that human side, right? I'm not going to meet the 300 plus players that I'm a scout this year, not all of them. So I'm not going to be able to gauge, you know, their love for the game. So what, what do you, what are some of the things that like when you see on film that makes you believe that, Hey, you know what? Like if they're not doing these things, then, you know, I'm not sure they love football. And it seems like you kind of come from a little bit of a, of a place that you could speak to that. So I, I hope what I said made sense and you'll be able to comment here, but like, what can you see on tape that leads you to believe maybe somebody doesn't like football? Man, it, it does make sense. And, and that's what, what actually drew me to the side of it was the fact that I, I've, I've seen, I've seen so many different types of players on an everyday basis. And I realized, okay, this player, this type of player is going to do this on the field. This type of player on his, based on his personality, is going to do this type of thing on the field. So, like, when we were talking about that defensive back, I know that the coaches are telling him every single day, every single play, they're probably texting him all day and night, okay, I want you to use this technique. I don't want you to let the wide receiver go inside. I want you to stay square. I want you to do this. And so if they're telling him this day and night, and then he goes in the game, and he's probably not doing it in practice, and then he goes in the game and he does the same exact thing, but he allows his athletic, natural athletic ability to recover and to allow him to make plays that are fantastic, okay, he's a great athlete. He's going to be able to do those types of things. But it still lets you know the type of person that he is and that he's not coachable. He's not going to, um, he's not going to take the game seriously enough to focus on the minute details of the game to, to make him become the elite defensive back that he could possibly become. You know, or you can look at things like who is celebrating with their teammates after the play. Or who are, um, have you, have you ever seen an offensive lineman give up a sack? Their guy made the sack and they're not even helping their quarterback up. They're walking back to the office. They're walking back to the huddle. That tells you what kind of person he is. Little things like that. Um, it's, it's just, I just, I, I watch players when they're on the sideline. How do they, how do they, um, treat their coaches? How do they treat their, their trainer? who's giving them water, how do they treat their other teammates, how do they act um, after a bad play, how do they act after a good play, all those things can kind of show you what kind of personality a person they are off the field and also on the field. Now, you know, it seems like it's, it's so simple, right? Can they play football and what type of person are they? But at the same time, when you look at these draft classes and you, you, know, you go back three, four, five years, you see bad pick after bad pick. What do you what do you think these scouts? What do you think these executives are missing that they're pulling the trigger? Are they just not valuing kind of these small details as much as they should that you just pointed out? Because it doesn't seem like it would be this difficult to hit on more draft picks. <laughs> well, everybody says the same thing, you know. It's not it's not an exact science. I think there should be more science to it. Um, you know, we should. We, we should have more science to it, and we're, we're going to work on that. But I also feel like there's, there's probably a hierarchy in the um, in the NFL, and when you have a job and you're a scout, and then you have to you have to um, you have to try to tell the person above you 
who they should look at and then that person has to tell the person above them who they should look at. You have to be careful as to the person that you're going to pound the table for, like we say, because you can't pound the table for somebody that you don't think the person above you will actually look at because then you just wasted your one opportunity. So that can be how players fall through the cracks as well. Um, but like we said, it's not an exact science. But there are a lot of details that go into it. Like when I when I um when I visit a school, I'm, I I don't I don't need to talk to the player. I talk to the janitor to see how does he treat the janitor. You know, I talk to him to see who's in the who's who's in the film um film room at ten o'clock at night. You know, those kind of things can tell you the kind of player that's gonna be that that won't fall through the crack and who's gonna put the time in when they don't have to worry about class and they all they have to worry about is football 24/7. Yeah, I'm with you on that man. I that's what I, I've I've visited a ton of schools this year and I I do the same thing. I'm talking to people about the players more than I'm interacting with the players just because I feel like you can draw so much from that and um kind of the last thing I want to ask you here is coaching and rumors and you know it's that time of year where you know we're seeing coaches get let go and um how does that weigh in a locker room, Roger? Like, I mean, even when you were at Florida, I think it was back-to-back SEC championship games, even then Jim McElwain was, like, rumored for other jobs, right? And it's like, even he shot it down every day. He's like, man, I'm the coach at Florida. You think I'm interested in the Oregon State job or whatever Whatever came up? Like, do these, do these players so much as we think they do, you know, really feel like they're kind of married to these coaches? And, and how kind of – how does – the coaching situations impact the locker room uh, from from both, uh, you know, do I want to be here perspective to kind of like the, the evaluation process that we look at from a scouting perspective? It only really impacts the locker room once it happens, uh, once the coaches let go or something like that. But once we, we deal with rumors all the time. Um, so we're used to letting rumors just slide off the shoulder. Um, we, with the, we're, we're more focused on the grind. The process, uh, every day, it's like, it's like if you had a parent that was famous and they're always in the media, they're always on the news, but to everybody else, they're famous and they're always on the news, but every night you're sitting at the dinner table and you're talking to them about everyday stuff and you know the real them. So it's kind of like, okay, that's, the coach is my family member and I know the real him and I know how much work he's putting in and I know that if I do my job, then I'm, I'm possibly going to protect his job. So it's more about what can I do to help him rather than um, and what can the coach do to help me be successful because I want to I win and I want to get drafted as well. So it's more about focusing on that than, than listening to the rumors. But, you know, once the coach is let go, then it's more of um, can, the leaders, can the leaders of the team step up and keep the team together and keep the season intact because, uh, like it or not, the coach is the leader of the team. So, you know, once you once you have your head to tap catered off, it's, you know, somebody else has to step up. And it's a tough situation, but, um, you know, you, you have to do what you have to do. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. So, Roger, kind of, I think you kind of want to put a cap on this discussion. But before we do, you know, I think you kind of understood what I wanted to get out of this discussion. Um, what do you have any closing thoughts? Kind of any any other tidbits on this whole NFL draft scouting process, its impact on the locker room, and 
you know, guys' careers and how they how they let the scouting process impact their day to day stuff. Like any other nuggets here that you wanted to uh, to close with before we kind of talk about the weekend ahead in college football. Nah, I mean, I think I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting how um, players do 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 listen to what other people are saying about them. They, they, I mean, you know, with 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 social media now, they they pay attention to it twenty four seven. Um, some players, you know, the unique ones will will turn it off, but most of them they're paying attention to it. They have family members uh, letting them know what's going on, what's the new word out on them. You know, it, you know the same. You're only as big as your last headline, so. They're paying attention, and it's interesting to me how, you know, they, they most players want to say, you know, oh, don't, they, they don't know, they don't know what they're talking about. If they're not in the locker room or, and all this other stuff, but they're at the same time they're paying attention. So it's a little bit of irony. Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, yeah, I certainly get. By the time you know the draft rolls around in April, I've had I've interacted with uh, players' girlfriends, moms, sister, <laughs> you know, they they retweet stuff they. DM me. It's it's funny how how these uh, these players, man. I know it. They're searching their names, and yeah. uh, and they're they're gonna let you hear you know about it if they if they don't like your take. Uh, good stuff, man. I, I really appreciate you kind of opening up there and, and giving us a sneak, well, kind of an inside look at what it's like in the locker room uh, with this whole scouting process that we do year round. All right, we've got a big weekend ahead in college football, Roger. It's the it's rivalry weekend. It's a lot of these teams, it's their last game. It's a it's a chance for a lot of rivals to kind of play spoiler and ruin, you know, a, a playoff appearance for for some. And so, you know, we've got a, a handful of games here that involve teams that you know there's playoff implications with their matchup on Saturday. And so, let's kind of get into this briefly. Uh, we'll talk about who we think will win the game, and then maybe just a, a prospect or, or two to. Uh, to, to focus on. So let's get into this first game, Georgia Bulldogs at Georgia Tech. Obviously, you know, Georgia can't afford to get that second loss. So they need to take care of business against Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech in a game that they lost last year. What do you think about this contest? I feel like Georgia will come out with the win for sure. Um, I talk about Isaiah Wynn, um, blocking for Nick Chubb, Tony Michelle. And uh, we've got maybe two first-rounders on Georgia, Roquan, linebacker Raquan Smith and also Nick Chubb. And they're going to want to go into momentum with the SEC championship. And I really look uh, look to those senior running backs to make uh, be ready for that SEC championship on their way out. Yeah, this, the option offense is always such a pain in the ass to prepare for. So I always get nervous, right, when the teams face the option, but the thing about Georgia is they face it every year, so they should have some degree of familiarity. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these it's going to be a battle of attrition. The defensive linemen are going to get cut over and over and over again. Roquan Smith's going to have to make 20 tackles, and as long as uh, he can stand up to the test and, and Georgia can move the ball on offense, he'll take care of business. Uh, I like Georgia in this game, but uh, man, these option teams always make me nervous, man. All right, we've got Ohio State, Michigan, uh, the game. Uh, obviously, Ohio State needs a lot to go in their favor uh, to get into the playoffs, um, but uh, it's not it's not impossible. Uh, who do, who do you like in this game, and who's maybe a prospect to to keep an eye on? Well, this game right here is the battle of the defensive line. You got Michigan with Maurice Hurst that I talked about earlier, and uh, they got the youngster who got next up, uh, Rashawn Gary. Who uh, who's going to be very impressive next year as well, and then you got Ohio State defensive line with a bunch of players, but most notably Nick Bosa, and I love uh, Draymond Jones for next year as well. So it's going to be a battle of the defensive line, but I have Ohio State. And give me Ohio State in this one as well. Uh, Billy Price, the center for uh, Ohio State, hoping to see some reps against Maurice Hurst because those are some big time prospects, and uh, I like them both. And um, you know, maybe there's some questions about Billy Price's mobility and his ability to kind of mirror. Well, that'll be a good test for him in in both really Gar- Rashawn Gary and Maurice Hurst. Give me Ohio State here by at least two scores. Uh, we've got the the Iron Bowl, Alabama Auburn. I'm not sure there's a bigger game on the slate uh, this weekend. Uh, obviously, the, it's a play-in game for the SEC championship, and you know Auburn put it to Georgia. Uh, it's at Auburn, at the in, in the plains of Alabama. So, what do you think about this game, Roger? Who you got winning? 
definitely the biggest game of the week. I'm gonna try to draft this game with a month of scout. I'm trying to make sure I get this get this game, but uh, I'm going with Auburn. I think that they can come off with the with the maybe call it an upset. Um, but the the matchup that I'm looking at is my number one wide receiver coming out, Calvin Ridley, against possibly uh may rise up the draft board uh, defensive back for Auburn, Carlton Davis. I feel like that will be a key matchup because Auburn's going to have to key off on um, Alabama's running game. But if Calvin really can stretch the offense and stretch the field vertically, then that will open up the Alabama's run game. So the matchup I'm looking at is Carlton Davis versus Calvin Ridley, but I have Auburn winning that. Yeah, I, I like the matchup that you gave there. That's the best one in my opinion. Um, also, uh, Deron Payne versus Braden Smith. That's a heavyweight bout in the trenches. Braden Smith, the outstanding right guard for Auburn, and Deron Payne, an outstanding defensive lineman for Alabama. Uh, really excited to see Rashad Evans, uh, who's one of the premier linebackers in this class, going against you know a very dynamic rushing attack in Auburn. But, Roger, I'm not betting against Nick Saban. Give me the tide and the close one. <laughs> All right, we got West Virginia at Oklahoma. The Will Greerless West Virginia Mountaineers going to – uh, Norman to take on Baker Mayfield and the Sooners. Any chance that uh, West Virginia can pull an upset here? Or is this going to be Oklahoma all the way? Uh, they might, they might, they might um, keep it close at the beginning. But once they free free Mayfield, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, then they then they they pull off. I feel like Mayfield come back with a vengeance, and he has his mind on getting into the playoffs and showing everybody really what he's about. Yeah, Oklahoma is going to win big. Uh, Clemson, South Carolina. So big game for Clemson. They cannot get a second loss after losing to Syracuse. Uh, they obviously have Miami in championship weekend, so that'll probably be a play-in game. Uh, but uh, South Carolina played Georgia just about as tough as anybody, and uh, you know they've got a young group of uh, of skill players on offense that uh, you know kind of have some fire right now. Any chance that uh, South Carolina hosts Clemson and pulls off the big upset? I love Coach Marchand, but I'm going to have to go with Clemson on this. Um, I feel like Clemson has silently been continuing to win and continuing to do them. And, um, you know, they're looking towards that matchup with Miami as well. And if they, Clemson ends up getting into the playoffs and, and, and winning that first round, they'll kind of be the team that everybody said, oh, yeah, they've been, they've been, they've been doing good all season, you know, but that's, that'll be hindsight. They, they're continually doing, doing their job, and, and they'll look to do it again against South Carolina. Yeah, I think I think this game will be pretty low scoring, uh, but Clemson's front seven is going to be way too much for this South Carolina offense. Give me Clemson; like the score will be like seventeen to six. All right, last one we want to get into: Wisconsin Badgers at Minnesota. Uh, look, I think Wisconsin's going to be heavy favorites here, but you know it's a relevant game for this playoff title, and and obviously no one really respects Wisconsin yet, right? Uh, They're undefeated in the Big Ten, and we even our staff, our staff has them like number seven, Roger. So obviously we need to be convinced, Uh, and the way we'll be convinced is that they obviously beat Minnesota and then go beat Ohio State. Then we're going to have to put them in in the top four, but uh, any chance they slip up here against the Gophers? No, I don't see them slipping up. They're trying to they need a, they, they over there saying, put some respect on my name, mm-hmm. but I, I can't do it. Um, even if they beat Minnesota, I don't see them winning Ohio State. Um, but John, that, that running back, Jonathan Taylor, that they have, it, it, it's something else. He's running with a lot of momentum behind him. And, but I just don't see their offensive power, power sticking up once, once it comes down to the nitty gritty against Ohio State. So they'll, they'll beat Minnesota, but I don't see them going all the way. Is Wisconsin going to beat? Uh, so you're predicting Ohio State to beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship? Absolutely, but then I don't. I still don't think Ohio State should go to the playoffs. Not a too long thing. No, yeah. There's. A, I mean, this is all going to sort itself out. It's going to be exciting. Uh, Roger, you've been a fantastic co-host today. Appreciate your time here uh, to to record this podcast, and uh, certainly hope that you enjoy the weekend ahead in college football. I'll be off to Raleigh this weekend. I'm taking in uh, the UNC-North Carolina State game, getting eyes on Mr. Bradley Chubb for the third time this season and some of their other outstanding prospects. Uh, Roger, where can the people find you on Twitter and, uh, and uh, you know, so that they can keep track of your, of your draft takes and all your work? Yeah, you can find me on Go Get an 8. Um, and I'll also be at the UCS versus um, USF game this weekend. So 
Um, I'm, I'm predicting that UCF may make the playoffs this year. On a high. <laughs> <laughs> but if they do, that's a, there'll be a Cinderella team. So I'll be out there this weekend um, catching them. But yeah, you can sit, find me on Twitter. Go get an eight. Um, and always retweet it and do your teeth scouting and everything like that. My man, I appreciate uh, your time. Make sure you go follow Roger on, on Twitter. I've been asking the man to tweet more. We need more Roger Dixon NFL draft takes. Maybe we just got to have him on the Draft Dudes podcast more. I don't know, but uh, this guy knows ball, and he's a, fu- a lot of fun to uh, interact with. So keep up the good work, my man. And uh, we are going to close right here. So make sure you're following Roger on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, at the Joe Marino. Kyle and I will be back for you on Monday to recap all the football things uh, that happen over this, uh, this crucial weekend in college football. I'm signing off for Roger Dixon. This is Joe Marino, and thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Hey folks, Dirk Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life, and I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, five-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Reach the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.